Welcome, my friends. Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. It is Thursday, December 29th. Yes, we are here live. I know it was 30 seconds late this morning. Um, actually, I wasn't. I just forgot to press the button this morning. So I was talking. You just weren't hearing me. I'm here now. We are live. It is a free-for-all today. It's also my last show of the year. So jump in right now and join me. If you have a question, a comment, a topic, if you just want to get nostalgic, if we just want to go over the year and how crazy it's been, we can certainly do that. I'll get to the calls as soon as they start coming in. So line them up. 855-950-3835 is the number to join us. If you have a question, a comment, a topic, we can talk about trucks, money, fuel mileage, maintenance, tires, taxes, technology, health and fitness on the road, getting started as an owner-operator, finding freight, working with brokers, getting your authority. You name it, we'll talk about it. All you have to do is jump in and join me. 855-950-3835. Uh, it is going to be another long weekend for me. Uh, we'll wrap up the year today. Final show. Uh, we do have Rolling Toe later today. So I guess Rolling Toe is the Audio Road Network's final show of the year this year. But uh, right now, this is my final show for the year. We will also be off on Monday. So we will come back Tuesday, hit it hard, and jump into the new year then. So what uh, what's going on? I read a really good article that um, Noel Perry sent me this morning. He wrote it. Um, I got it in an email. Really long, in-depth article about inflation. Too much here to real. I mean, I could probably do the, the rest of the day with this, and maybe I will if I don't get any calls. Um, there's a lot in here. He, he really took his time and went in-depth into a lot of numbers. You know, he's been covering the inflation thing, well, all of this year, because basically we've really been dealing with inflation for this whole year. He did a really good job of, of what led us here, what led up to it, what caused it, where we are now, where, we, where he thinks we're going. And, and that was kind of the interesting part for me. Not so much how we got here. I kind of get how we got here. A lot of government spending, um, lockdowns, after a decade of, of really good economic cycles and business cycles. So we knew we were in for a downturn. Several things kept kind of extending the run, including uh, the pandemic, you know, the, the lockdowns hurt, but it also kind of extended our economic run a couple of times. You know, after the lockdowns, during the lockdowns, we had um, much higher demand for stuff. You know, there were no services. People weren't spending money on food or vacations or travel. So they started buying a lot of stuff. Well, you know, experiences 
add to the supply chain somewhat. You know, hotels need food, restaurants obviously need food, but when we spend money on services, it doesn't impact the trucking industry quite as much as when we spend money on stuff. When people were stuck at home and they were remodeling and they were buying a lot of stuff, we thought we had this great economy. It was really kind of a false economy. And I think that was really kind of the tipping point. We haven't felt all of the effects of inflation yet, though, not even close. So I'm going to read through just the uh, just the summary that I kind of put together of, of where Noel thinks we are in inflation and what may be coming. So these are just some bullet points. Uh, the appearance of significant inflation means you have to start managing inflation effects in your business and personal life. That's really the point of paying attention to this and talking about it is you really need to do something about it. You should be managing your money both in your business and your personal life differently during a, an inflationary period, which it looks like we're heading into, not just an inflationary event, but an inflationary period. Uh, its macro causes are complicated and poorly measured, thus poorly understood. That Why did this happen? You know, it'd be nice to know, but unfortunately, it really can get pretty complicated. Um, we don't understand a lot of this stuff really well at all. Uh, the current run-up has a dangerous underlying cause that has caused the Federal Reserve Bank to reverse its policy from stimulation to destimulation. Our central bank is purposely pointing our economy toward recession. Inflation is dangerous. Inflation can wipe out economies. We've seen it historically. It can turn somebody's currency almost worthless. There is a real danger of that. We've always kind of believed here in the U.S. that we could never really succumb to that. Like the way we've seen other countries, they're just their entire economy destroyed over inflation. That could happen here. So we do need to get inflation under control. The problem is the Fed is fighting against the admin here, the administration. The Fed is raising interest rates continuously to slow down inflation. That, that's the de-stimulus that, that he's talking about here. So the Fed was stimulating the economy for over a decade by lowering interest rates, making it easier to borrow money, buying people, buying more stuff, starting more businesses. We've certainly been watching this for the last decade. Now they want to do the opposite. Now they want to stop people. They don't want you borrowing money. They don't want you going out and starting a business or spending a lot of money. Although the government itself won't stop that. The government just keeps printing money and spending it. And that's a problem because the government spends a lot of money. They just approved another $1.7 trillion in spending. That's what keeps driving the inflation. So the government keeps taking what 
really is our money because we're going to have to pay for this eventually. Right now, they just keep printing it. But that's ultimately money we have to pay back in taxes or our children or our grandchildren. And they just keep printing and spending. And at the same time, the Federal Reserve is raising interest rates on the rest of us. It's really a, a kind of a lousy situation. Um, we're now starting to get relief from some of those inflationary drivers. We're starting to see fuel come down. Uh, diesel has even come down pretty significantly. I think we're in the mid $4 range now instead of the mid $5 range. That's a pretty big deal. It, it, on one hand, that's a good thing, but that also means we are in in great danger of a more severe recession than we may have thought before. Um, decades of over economic stimulation have added emotional pressures that will keep inflation higher than most experts forecast. So it's coming down. It's not going to come all the way back down. Expect four to five percent inflation in 2023 as a result Inflate. Here's where he gets into more of his long-term predictions. Again, he 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 wrote a really in-depth article on this. I'm just giving you some bullet points. Um, inflation should fall in the mid twenties because of recession. So mid twenties. We're in. We're just starting into 2023. Still in the early twenties. So he's talking 2025, 2026. So we could see inflationary pressure for the next couple of years. Then it will drop because economies can only handle that kind of stuff for so long and the Fed keeps raising the rates. So that will push us into a recession. But we're not talking about this all happening over a couple of months and then we're through it and back to normal. We're looking at a couple of years. Now, he, Noel is saying that, reflate, that inflation is going to return likely with a vengeance late in the decade, perhaps forcing an extended period of economic disruption and austerity. That's not a good sign. We might be in for a, a, a rough couple of years. The good news is, while we're still in this inflationary period, there's still plenty of money to be made. You've still got some time to get your finances in order. We've been talking about this for several years. Get prepared for this. It was coming. It's still coming. You may still have some time. It's never too late to get your finances in order. If you have any questions about that, how to do that, by all means, give me a call. All right. So, uh, once that necessary cleansing is complete, Inflation prospects are very encouraging due to technical innovations that will drive down costs. So we might be in for a rough couple of years. It's not the end of the world. It's not the end of our country. It's not the end of our economy. Could be a little rough for a couple of years and then things might get really good. So again, we talk about this stuff. You know, Noel writes about it. I read it. We try to stay on top of it so we can keep you informed the best we can. Making predictions is always difficult, but um, 
Managing inflation has become a critical management skill and will remain so indefinitely. This piece is the first of two that I'm providing to help with the development of that skill. So he's working on another piece when he, uh, when he puts that out, I'll bring it to you. I may do a longer um, recording on this as well after he finishes the uh, second piece. Maybe we'll get him back here to do a special show and talk about it. But really, you know, two things I would have people focus on and really work on. One, health, because health is always going to improve your outcomes in everything else. We talk about that a lot. I'm not going to go into it in depth right now. But if you haven't worked on your health yet, I would critically important. But then you've got to become more knowledgeable about money. I don't even believe you can trust your money to anybody else these days. The whole financial planning industry is kind of a scam. I was part of that for a while. I hated the way that worked. There is enough good information out there now that you can become much more knowledgeable about your money and you should start learning about inflation. I'm actually looking for a good book. So if anybody reads anything current, I want something new, something that really addresses what we've been going through the last decade and especially the last couple of years. So I'm going to keep my eye out for a good book on inflation. Kind of makes me tired just thinking about it. Uh, Calls are starting to come in. We're going to find out what's on your mind today. We're going to get started in Delaware. Jay, welcome to the program. Hey. What's on your mind today? Um, I had this idea. I'm on my way home for the weekend about um, contacting local brokers. I'm calling RVs now, but um, it's been a year at least since I read through the second part of the course that you offered. Okay. And um, specifically, like I go by the Certainty Factory in Ohio. Um, What would you say about uh, contacting brokers in my area and finding out who who gets that and brings it back to uh, I live on the on the shore, Maryland and Delaware, where there's a lot of building materials. Um, I'm just looking about how to how to find out who moves that stuff. If I can do that, if I get a piece of that. Yeah, you know, uh, you can go in and talk to them. I mean, you could make an appointment with their traffic director, even if you're not necessarily making a direct sales call. You know, you 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 may not want that business yourself directly. It's hard to get, hard to manage. But nothing would stop you from going in and, and talking about your business model with the traffic manager there at that location and then asking that question. Um, are you using brokers? It, it, some companies don't. It's pretty rare. There are some companies that don't work with brokers. They have their own traffic department. They contact carriers directly. They tend to use, you know, mid to, to larger carriers. But but go in and, and find out more about their operation. And I don't see any reason. I, I You know, I've talked to a lot of traffic managers over the years. They they don't have any reason not to tell you who's, who they use for brokers because they want their brokers to have access to more carriers because they want their freight moved. So I would go in and talk to them. Okay. 
Yeah, that sounds great. Yeah, and, and then um, contact and those brokers. The other, the, uh, the other thing I would do differently, I've talked about this. I think I wrote about it in the book. Um, you're doing this the right way. You're starting locally. That's the best place to build your initial broker or customer bases locally. Then you start figuring out the patterns on where your freight's really moving out to. And then you can start looking for relationships at those points to get freight back if that's how you decide to do it. But especially in the beginning with these local brokers, make an appointment, take them out to lunch, take them to breakfast, take them to coffee, whatever. Um, Build that relationship right off the bat in person. That one thing will set you apart. So few people ever do it. The other thing I can tell you, in business, in life, you know, we we tend to do a lot of work by phone in this industry. And I, I've been in this industry forever. You know, we're, we're a nationwide industry. We don't really work in a local area for the most part. So we do a lot of business by phone. And, you know, I know in the last couple of years, we've used a lot more Zoom calls, which is a little more personal, but it it's nothing like building relationships in person. I, I just had that experience again. You know, for the last three years, I hardly went to any, well, I didn't go to conferences. You know, once the economy shut down and traveling became such a pain and um, I, I wasn't speaking, I wasn't going to events, I wasn't going to conferences. And just this last year, I started again. I went and did some speaking myself in the trucking industry. And then I just went to a, a medical conference. It, they were both game changers. I mean, it was it was really good to get out and meet people again face to face, and it really does change the relationship in a really good way. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that sounds great for this area too. Yeah, get out and go see them. You know, and, and, you know, certainly you could go to this one location, figure out what brokers they use, start with them. Then those brokers are, are going to expose you to other freight and other companies. But, you know, the, the typical owner operator will, you know, their scenario is this. Okay, I need some freight. I'm going to sign up for a load board, which is fine. You should have subscriptions to load board. You should probably have multiple subscriptions. But then their next step is where they go wrong. They get on the load board, they look for freight, they sort it by rate, who's paying the most if there's a rate in there. And if there's no rate, they may ignore those. Um, They'll look for the ones that have a rate showing, they'll sort it by the highest rate, and then they'll call and say, I want that load. There is zero relationship building there, none. You're just calling and saying, I saw something you posted, I'm interested in it. Then you're either gonna try to negotiate, you're gonna get the load or you're not. There's zero relationship building there. And then the next time they need a load, they go back on the load board, they sort by rate. The odds of them calling the same people are pretty slim and that's how they operate. And it's a huge mistake. You're doing this right, keep it up, go build those relationships in person. It will make a huge difference. Okay. Excellent. I will. Uh, I will work on that. And um, can I just make a comment about yesterday's call with Aaron? I think you, your patience uh, was excellent. I mean, that was. I hope she's doing well today. That's it. 
Yes. Yeah, I, I hope so, too. And I, I'm really encouraged. You know, the, the timing is good. Had, had I gotten that call a year ago, I would have really struggled. I, I would we we have always struggled with this issue when people have been on SSRIs for long periods of time. And it, it's it is really hard to wean off of those. And then you still got the original problem you have to solve why they started taking them in the first place. They're not solving the problem. They've created a new problem. So we have to solve that problem first. But then we have to get back to the original problem. Why are they having these, these you know, periods of high anxiety or bouncing back and forth from anxiety to depression? And the, the good news is now, over the last year or two, with all the focus I put on stress, turns out anxiety and depression are really just another manifestation of, of high stress levels. It, and it becomes this, you know, anxiety driven. So I, I feel much, much more confident that I can help people with this. Now we have some supplements that are working. We have some, you know, some physical protocols that are working. So I, you know, it was a, it was a rough call. I, I'm glad she made it. That's a tough call to make when you feel like that, uh, but I'm confident we can help her. I'm I'm actually kind of excited about working yeah. on this one. Yeah, that that first occurred to me is when she was on the phone that uh, all the listeners were uh, behind her and uh, you know want her to know how valuable her life is. You know, absolutely. That that's another part we've talked about. You know, I've, I've talked about why I think we've been really successful helping people with diet and health and um, being on the air multiple hours every day, hearing it over and over and over, hearing the testimonials, but also the tribe itself now has become a, a really great support system. All right, good stuff, Jay, thanks for the call. Phone lines are open. It is a free-for-all today. Jump in and join us. If you have a question, a comment, a topic, anything goes, 855-950-3835. We're going to head off to Florida. Matt, welcome to the program. Good morning, Kevin. What's on your mind well, today? it's definitely been a good year. Well, let's... Uh, a year ago... Let's take a look at some numbers and find out how 2021 was the best year ever. <laughs> yeah, no, this year I can say 2022 has been my best year ever. <laughs> so let's talk about that. Um, best year ever. Wise, what, yep. what was the first year you owned a truck? 1998. 98. So officially 20, 24 years now, I suppose. Yeah. Business tax not yeah so best year in 24 years that's pretty awesome yeah um when we get to the personal side that the numbers are a little more mixed but um i got no complaints <laughs> uh yeah the i've only what i sent you there is through november but i i got a feeling my december numbers are going to come out at about a zero for uh, for profit because I've been <laughs> buying as much as I can here in the last oh, couple yeah, of weeks good. to pre buy stuff to 
So yeah. uh, my revenue and expenses should come out about even for December. So. Wow. So I, I'm just looking. I, I'm just looking at these numbers. First of all, you have to stop working so damn hard. Hundred and fifty-five thousand well, miles. That, That's a lot. Yep. Yep. Fortunately, uh, you were talking with the last caller there about getting involved with uh, a direct customer. Yeah. Unfortunately, when that works out really well, you end up signing the contract and you're required to cover stuff. <laughs> Good point. Yeah. So then you then you get into the point where you got to decide if you want to hire somebody or an owner operator or a second truck, and you know you got decisions to make. And oh, that, that that's a big for the decision. Last year and a half, I've decided. Yeah, I've just decided to work because everything's been great. And now, yes, over the next year, I gotta, I gotta decide because you know my own personal health and relationships, and I don't want to be working this hard. Yeah, exactly. But I've met some very good financial goals, so yeah, not excellent. complaining. Just uh, you know, gotta gotta set some goals on that side of it. Yeah, absolutely. So. It, you know, I just want to go over these numbers because they are, uh, I know they're kind of a record for you. They're a record for me, too. Um, I, I would have never thought we would have been able to achieve these kind of numbers. One truck, one driver. I want to make sure people understand what we're talking about here. You you do not own and operate multiple trucks at this point. One truck. Um, you do have some right. direct customers you've been working on for years. You have great relationships you've been working on for years. Really, you are kind of the, the, the epitome of what I talk about. Constantly work on the business. When you, when you improve one thing, move on to the next thing. I, I'm not sure what there would be left for you to do. I mean, at this point, it, it, there really isn't much for you to do other than to just keep doing what you're doing. To, to do anything else, you would have to grow to change your numbers now. You would have to say, okay, I'm going to add trucks yep. or contract with owner-operators because there's not much more. We just went through the highest rates we've ever seen. You've been working on your business for years, working on your costs, your relationships, all the things we talk about, and this is the end result. I mean, this is kind of what was possible when it all came together. You know, good timing. You had been working on your business while the economy was good and you kept working on it and the economy peaked. I, I, I'm pretty sure 2022 was the peak. We're not going to be talking about these kind of records at the end of next year. I think we're going to or Yeah, next year. It's almost here. Um, I think we're going to be talking about very, very different things at the end of next year. Um, so this is a good time to say, look, here's what was possible. Here was, here was kind of the peak of things. So it, it's almost hard for me to say some of these numbers. You grossed almost a half a million dollars, $452,000 gross. And your monthly average has been 41,000. So you're going to be just under a half a million, 490 some thousand dollars when yep. we put December's numbers in here. I, I, that's mind boggling to me. 
that you could generate that kind. I can remember the first year that I ever broke a million dollars in revenue, but I had 11 trucks to do that with. My God, you did, you know. Well, yeah, and I remember Go ahead. back then when I started, you know, well, would have been after that year for you. I'm assuming that was early 90s. Um, mid 90s but um, yeah when i had 11 trucks when i been started around 92 or so you know, yeah because a, a mentor of mine the, the guy i bought my first truck from he said yeah if you gross a hundred thousand dollars a year you're doing great that was about the number if but, every one of my trucks if i could yeah. once i started paying attention to numbers and then then i realized look if if all you can do is gross a hundred thousand it's really hard to own a truck and put a driver in it. There wasn't a lot of profit there. So almost a half a million dollars gross. That's pretty incredible. Um, That works out to $2.92 a mile, all miles. That's another incredible number. Would have never thought, you know, we used to talk about you know, that's basically $3 a mile. We used to talk about that and joke about it. You know, once in a while, if you could get one of those loads, that was, you know, pretty incredible. To to do that as an overall rate, that this includes all your deadhead, all the miles you, you know, drive your truck back and forth to the shop or whatever it might be. This is all miles. That's an incredible number. Yeah, I'm very happy with that. I and same thing. I would have never thought we could get this number this high. Um, just some fair warning for everybody that that thinks once you make it so far, it all becomes easy. Uh, I'm losing thirty five cents a mile mid January on a contract. Yeah, but yeah, it's it, a year contract freight, and you know I expected rates to be coming down, so it's not. It, it next year's numbers, I already know will be lower. Yep. So that's a a good point. We should talk about that right now because they're these record setting years when we have them, we all love them, but they are a double edged sword. There are lots of people who that is the reason they're going to fail because we had those good years. They believe that those will just keep coming. This is a very common thing. They went out and bought a bigger house. They bought, you know, another new car. They bought a bass boat because they could. The the cash flow was there. The money was there. Well, it doesn't last forever. So there will be, we are, I, I talked about it yesterday. We are going to see a lot of business failures coming out of these really good times. I, I've said many, many times, and I, I was, you know, thinking today uh, when I was, you know, going through these numbers, going back to 1980. And we're talking about 1980 because we've never seen anything like what we're seeing now since then, 40 years ago. Well, that's when I was getting out of high school. I mean, that was, I remember that time really well, and it was pretty horrendous, but I actually started two businesses during that time. It, I I almost feel blessed that, you know, the, the timing that I've had, that I, I had to start my, my, you know, adult life and business career into the worst economy we've really seen since the Depression. 
that that you know early '80s was horrible. We've talked about it many times, but I, I think that in some ways that was an advantage. I, I I'd much rather have to start in a time like that than start in the last two or three years. I, I feel sorry for those people that started in the last couple of years. They don't have any idea what's coming. No, and I've seen this too. Um especially in the farming industry, because that's, I grew up, my dad had a pretty good sized farm and all that in the early eighties and, uh, before he passed away. But, uh, I've seen interviews with some successful farmers that started, you know, late seventies, early eighties. And it was the toughest of times. I mean, milk prices fell, beef prices fell, land prices and, and mortgages were through the roof. And, the people that got in then or came in towards the end of it were in the same boat of the people. The pork prices were really high and all that in the late seventies or mid seventies. Right. They, they actually call, what were they? Uh, pork was called the mortgage lifter. Yeah. Right. Cause I mean, pork prices were just so high. I mean, you raise pigs and you, you were guaranteed to make money. And the people that came out of that, struggled the hardest because when everything went down and the people that got in, in the early eighties that struggled through the beginning of it for them, for their time frame business. And, um, today they're very, very successful. Yeah. So I, you know, I, I think we can look back at that lesson, that, that, that lesson of the 1980s and, and what happened in that decade and I would kind of treat this time a lot like that. You know, the, the 2020s, even Noel's article talks about he's predicting into the late 2020s now. Most economists don't do that. We don't see these people predict out that far most of the time. But I think the pattern has finally become clear. You know, we've been talking for three or four or five years. We, we can't figure out this pattern. It doesn't look like anything we've seen in the past. Now I think it's becoming pretty clear. And I think, you know, Noel taking the time to write this article, there's going to be a second part. I think that's why. I think he's kind of seeing now where we're going. And I, I have a feeling the rest of this decade is going to feel a lot like the 80s did. And it was a tough time. But it, it the 80s set us up for the 90s and the 2000s, which were just awesome decades. I mean, there was money to be made just about everywhere. It, and now that's going to change. It, it's changing. We're in the middle of it right now. But it, it you know, reading his article and thinking about it and looking back, um, I, I think the rest of this decade is just going to feel a lot like the 80s did as far as, you know, the economy goes. Yep. Yeah, it's, we've gone from a couple decades of pretty – Steady. I mean, there's been ups and downs, and you know, there's all that's always going to happen. But I think we're we're going to be in a very volatile time for for several years. Yeah, you know, Which, it, to me, I, uh, eternal optimist is there's going to be a lot of opportunity. I, absolutely. I yeah. Absolutely. I, you know, I look back at that decade of the 80s, which is kind of when I got into business and, and got started. And I, it was certainly a bumpy start. I almost went bankrupt in the late 80s uh, and managed to pull it out in the 90s. And 
did pretty well. I've had some ups and downs during that time, but I, I, I look back and, you know, I could see now that had I had more experience and had I understood, you know, business and money better during the 80s, that there were a lot of opportunities. Um, and that that's going to happen again. There's going to be lots of opportunities, but we are in for a couple of rough years, I think, and maybe even a little more than I was thinking. Uh, we might be looking at four or five rough years, and, and then we might be back into another big economic boom. Well, yeah, that's when we do have a rough, you know, historically, when there's a rough, longer patch, that will create a boom at some point. We just don't know when. If that's right, if that's five years out or you know eight years out, could be you know it could be quite a while. But there will be one at some point. You know, here's here's the thing. We I've talked about this that you know you're almost always going to get these kind of predictions wrong. I don't even like to make these kind of predictions, but you've got to pay attention. Um, it, it's not so much that we're probably going to be wrong on the direction. We'll be wrong on the timing. And that almost always seems to be the case. I, I remember back in like 05, 06, um, there was an economist who was just brilliant, William Dent. And he had this theory and he used this calculation and this formula and he predicted a pretty big crash in the stock market. And he got almost every detail exactly right, except he was about four years off. It was, it was uncanny how he predicted what was going to happen. And his predictions were correct. They were just about four years off. The problem with that is if you would have acted on them when he first made them, you could have lost a lot of money. But if you just paid attention to him and realized he's right, it's just we can't ever predict when these things are going to happen. You know, I'll go back to 2017. I've talked about this so many times, and it was, you know, being with Noel Perry at a conference at the time, and he did a, a big keynote back then, and he talked about what was coming. He got it exactly right. He was about five years off on his timing, but, it, but his predictions were correct, and we were talking about it. it. This is coming. Start saving cash and paying down debt. And, and the people that have done that over the last four or five years, okay, maybe we got the timing really wrong. But if you were doing that, that wasn't a bad thing. It just gave you more time to get prepared. Yep. And uh, in your open, you asked for book recommendations. Yes. And uh, I'm going to throw one out. This is not a recommendation. I just started it. And so far, I'm not going to say it's a great book it, it, the narrator uh, the author reads it and he's not a good reader okay <laughs> um but it, it, one statement i just last night listening he said most people making predictions anything over six to 12 months is the, the chances of them being right is less than five percent <laughs> i would agree with that any predictions over 12 months yeah economically I, I would agree with that. But, uh, yeah, I think the biggest thing I'll get out of this book is he's doing a lot of book recommendations inside of his book. Oh, good. So um, the name of the book is Narrative Economics. I don't know the guy's name, but it's 
it's why things go viral or something. So the first section is kind of on Bitcoin. Okay. And it's how things take off and go crazy. But it's, like I say, I, I'm not impressed with what I've listened to so far, but, um, We'll yeah, see, and like I say, he's got book recommendations in there, so I'll keep you updated on that. Yeah, if nothing else, it's a good place to start. I, I really haven't read a lot of really good books on economy. I, I Honestly, I think it's too complicated. I'm not sure if anybody understands it enough to write a really good book on it, but uh, it's time to start. I mean, I, I need to start putting more effort into to where we're going in this economic cycle. So I, I don't want to go back and read, uh, you know, there are other books that I've read in the past, but I, I want to read really current stuff. People are really looking, you know, at what's happening right now and kind of trying to interpret it. So one more thing before I cut you loose, I want to get back to these numbers because um, it, it, I almost at first I thought, am I looking at this right? Hell, it's my report. I should know how to read it. But this number keeps shocking me. I, I, have you really broken $300,000 in profit this year? That is correct. Did you ever I, think? Uh, I, I didn't ever? think that was possible. I, exactly. No, I, I mean, even last year, I wouldn't have imagined uh, it. Unbelievable. I, that is just in it, just an incredible testament to what you've done in the last two decades. This didn't happen overnight. This didn't happen just because we had great rates. This didn't happen because you got lucky. This is a culmination of doing all the things right and just sticking to it. And it, it's honestly, I'm just blown away by the number. I look at it and go, I, how is that even possible? Yeah. And I mean, it's, just so people understand your reporting, which for my situation doesn't matter, but um, that does not include any type of equipment payments. I My truck and trailer is paid for. Correct. But right. on your reporting, that still would not be counted. We, we kind of compare owner-operators without counting equipment payments because that's so wildly different from one person to the next. Yeah, exactly. If, if we take the – you, you so could it's have It's somebody, a true number you know, for me. Yeah. Think, think about somebody like Paul, who at some point may go out and build a new car hauler and spend $350,000 on a truck and trailer. And then at some point in, in Paul's yep. business cycle, he may have both of those paid for. Well, you can't compare a business report from one with a business report with the other. It'll never make sense. So we look first at operational. What What is it costing you to operate every day without the equipment right now? Let's look at just your cost first. And that's a better comparison. Then, of course, we, we would look at those costs. They are a factor, but it's not when you spend a dollar on fuel, that dollar is gone and you never get it back. When you spend a dollar on equipment, it's not a dollar spent and gone. It, 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 that 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 the that equipment's never going to go to a zero value. The the only way it will is if you total it, and then you're going to get your insurance money. So you have to treat equipment differently because it's not a straight expense. That's why we have things like depreciation and to to try to help us work those numbers into the business. So um, the other thing that people need to understand when we're looking at um, expenses for a single truck owner operator 
we don't, I don't, we don't look at wages. And the reason I don't is because who gets to say what your wage is? You get to pick that. It's your business. And then it's determined by how much profit is left. But again, for me, it's easier to take that out of there. Because what if one guy says, well, I pay myself 40 cents a mile, but another guy says, oh, screw that. I'm going to pay myself 80 cents a mile. Well, that's not going to work. You can't compare those numbers. What we could do, and again, you can look at these numbers in steps. So first, let's look at it without equipment payments. It's a better comparison. Then we can go back and look at it with equipment payments. Let's look at it with no number for wages. Then we could go back and say, okay, let's throw in a wage and let's just use the average. Let's go figure out what the average truck driver makes per mile. And we could put that in and then calculate it. And then we could say, oh, look, you could pay a a driver, you know, a very competitive wage and look at how much profit is still left over. So there's there's multiple ways of looking at these numbers. Um, the, the first step is I just wish we could get more people to look at their numbers. And I wish we spent more time talking about these things. Yeah. Well, yeah. So you mentioned, you know, fuel. I talked to several people and I've heard several phone calls where, you know, 80 some cents a mile fuel cost is. Yeah. Not uncommon right now yeah 80 cents for the year and 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 then fuel is down right now right but mine for the year including reefer fuel both truck and reefer fuel 53 cents a mile that's incredible that that's just uh an incredible number you know buying your fuel looking at at fuel discount programs and managing your fuel economy is <laughs> extremely important. Yes, it is. Um, you know, I, it, again, when I think about these numbers, we're, we're actually, we, we've had conversations this week. Somebody whose fuel cost was over 80 cents a mile. My first contract paid 72 cents a mile. Total, gross, that's all I got. Yep. What a difference. Yeah. Yeah. Ah. So, so the, um, these. Is there anything else you want to talk about there? Because there's a personal side with mint.com I want to touch yeah, on no, real quick. The, you know, the, again, the, all I want to say about these numbers is this is the culmination of everything we do here. This is what we try to teach people. This is the, the, the culmination of all of that. You know, we and one of the biggest criticisms I, I used to get, I, I don't get a lot of criticism anymore. I mean, not nearly as much as I used to. I, maybe the haters just kind of got tired of, of hating. I don't know. But the, the criticisms, and maybe it's because I'm not on Facebook anymore either. That probably helps. Um, but the, the haters used to, their biggest criticism used to be, well, you don't even pay attention to rate. All you talk about are expenses. What about revenue? I don't, and, and they're lying. Well, I don't care what my fuel costs. I'll just, I just get a better rate. Well, that's just ignorant. I, I, of course, if you can get a better rate, go get it. But why would you waste money anywhere? But I, I've always focused on expenses first. And a lot of times it sounds like that's all I focus on because sometimes it's hard to get past that. I mean, we still have less than 10% of the owner operators even doing any kind of profit and loss statement. 
So, of course, I'm still going to keep talking about that side of it because that's where everybody needs to be focused. Now, once you've done that, and you've been doing that for years, for decades, really, once you've done that, at some point, there's not much more to do. You kind of nail it down. You understand maintenance. You understand fuel. Those are your two biggest costs. You work to keep those down. Most of the other stuff's going to take care of itself. Of course, you can go work on revenue, too. I talk about it not as much, but we've talked about relationships, where you get your freight, understanding rates and lanes. We've been talking about that for years. Then we talk about personal money management, and we're about to go talk about Mint and your net worth and All of this ties together. I've known really good owner-operators who are good at business, they work hard, and they struggle their whole career because they can't manage their own personal money. So all of these things, all coming together is what creates something that we look at now and go, I would have never even thought that was possible. Then you went out, worked on relationships and rates, and you, you put together... Like, how long have you been kind of driving the corridor that you drive? Uh, let's see. That would have been 2001. So 21 years. 21 years. <laughs> I've been running Florida. Or two, 20, maybe it was 2002. Yeah, 2002. And, I started and running Florida. So. You don't vary much from that corridor. It's basically Minnesota and Florida and back all the time. Not anymore. Right? Yep. Yep. It, there's another thing and we, we it, talk about. Constant. Go ahead. Work, too. I mean, it's not like, oh, I got a contract and I don't even have to think about it anymore. Of course it's, not. Right. It seems like every quarter. About every three months, there's some big thing comes up with either my southbound or my northbound and, or, you know, their customer. And it's, it's, we've got to work something out. So it, it's a never ending battle. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it, it's constant, but this is the result of constantly working on it. You know, this, this is the culmination. These are the numbers that, um, it clearly, I can make this claim that you are the top 1% in the owner-operator world. You can't beat these numbers. I mean, there may be, you know, some weird exception out there, but for the most part, this is this is it. And and like I said, if, if you wanted to do anything else at this point, you would just have to decide you were going to grow the company. Yeah, and I say that's that's not in my my scope at all. (laughs) Exactly, and (laughs) I want my life to get simpler, not more complicated. (laughs) Right, exactly. Uh, But you know, the other thing you've done is you've put yourself in a really good position to weather the storm that's coming. So yeah, so on Mint, um, for the people that don't know, it's just a website run by Intuit. Very you know, business and secure, everything like that. You just enter all your accounts and it pulls everything up daily if you want to look at it or they do recorded reports for monthly. So the biggest one on there, once you have all that updated information, it's tracking your net worth. Got all your checking accounts for savings and investments, 
your house value, your automobiles, and then any bank loans and all that. You know, it takes out off of your net worth and shows you your your totals on all that, and your your debts and and cash values. Um, I've said before, my goal for a couple of years is try to add about a hundred thousand dollars a year to my net worth. That's a big goal. And with stock market rising, yeah, it um, the previous two years that that happened without really a whole lot of effort. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this year, I've got uh, thirty three thousand dollars more than I did a year ago. <laughs> well, there you go. So that the, um, there's an interesting point in business. You had your best year ever. You said that it was record setting. Clearly was. But it wasn't the year that you added the most to your personal worth. No. And so just some interesting parts in there. Uh, I don't know the peak date on the home value. If that was somewhere around the first year, I've got a feeling it was in the first or second quarter. But on they use Zillow is where they're pulling this value from. Home value is already down $35,000 from the peak. Wow. Like I say, whatever part of the year that was, which doesn't, in my opinion, it's still high, but yeah, I think market so too. value, you know, it, it, it wasn't an inflated number. It was a true number, but you know, for me owning the house and what I paid for it, it's still shocking what it's worth <laughs> today. Yeah. Um, cause I, same thing. I've been in my home almost 20 years. Um, my, all of my investments, the actual number right now is $20,000 less than what it was this time last year. Wow. But I've put $68,000 in throughout the year. Holy cow. So my investments (laughs) are down by, you know, you could say $85,000. Yeah. Yeah. That's a big hit, but that... You know, there's another good reason to talk about that because that's to be expected. You're up into the numbers. You've been yeah. investing for years, decades now. And the the stock market always goes up. It always comes back down. It goes back up. Overall, it, it climbs. But these are the kind of years that you have to get used to and not get too excited about or too angry about or too frustrated about. You're going to have these years where it looks like you oh. lost a lot of money. Yeah, see, I'm the contrarian. I, I'm excited. Exactly. About these numbers right now because <laughs> in a good way because the longer they stay down like this and the more I can get in is the more upswing that's coming. That's exactly at some right. Point. Yep. Excellent numbers. Yeah, right. uh, if you got other calls, I can let you move along. Yeah, good, great way to close out the year, though. Love looking at these numbers. Yep. And that's, yeah, I mean, that the reason I call and talk about this is hopefully I'm sparking somebody else's interest well, and they have questions about it and they will call you and you know, continue this conversation. I think this needs to be talked about a lot more. Well, think about this. When we talk about health and I talk about how successful we've been with truck drivers health and we really have been, I, I always attribute it to the fact that we're on the air every day. We get to talk about this over and over. You get to hear it over and over. And then you get to hear the testimonials. 
The people that said, I'm going to do this, they go out and do it. They call back with the results. It's amazing. Then somebody else says, oh, if they can do it, I can do it. And it worked around health. It worked incredibly well. I wish we could get this same kind of dynamic going around money and profit and, you know, both business and personal. I wish we had more calls like this, more testimonials. You know, I, I think some people feel like, oh, I don't want to call and talk about money. You know, we, we are weird about money and we're even weird about success. You know, a lot of people don't want to call and say, oh, no, look, I've been really successful. This works. We'll do it with health. But for some reason, we get weird about money. Yeah. Yeah, and that's, I mean, society has changed on that. It's its weird. You know, we used to look up to people that were successful. And, I mean, well, look at Elon Musk right now. It's, oh. <laughs> he's been extremely successful on a lot of things and a lot of issues that our country needs to address. And yet he's being hated by, I don't know the percentage, but a, a large percentage of the country. Oh, them. that poor guy right now. And the funny thing is he is being attacked from every angle. They're investigating him. They want to investigate more. They're constantly criticizing him. I see some of the stupidest articles I've ever seen written about Elon Musk, anything they can do to, to make him look bad. And they end up looking like idiots when they write some of this stuff. And the funny thing is, you know, I, I'm all over Twitter these days and, and he is too. He's having a ball with this. He laughs about it just about every day yeah. and he taunts them. I, I think it's hilarious. Um, you're right, though. It, it, a lot of things have changed about money. And, it, and it's almost like we don't even want to see the little guy succeed anymore. What the hell's with that? Yeah. Yeah, and I, I don't see that changing. I, I see that issue, you know, society-wise, probably getting worse. Yeah, yeah. In the next decade. I, I, yeah, especially as we go through rough times. You are going to see that worse. And I've talked about that. Nope. That's going to create a uh, bigger divide. I am going to cut you loose because calls are starting to build up. So I want to get to them. Let's uh, let's go to Indiana. John, welcome to the program. Kevin? Yep. What's on your mind today? Okay. Um, I got a question for you. I've been using a discount with the mud flap, and I've been able to – I've had like $6,200 in – and discounts, but when you use Mudflap, they give you a receipt there at the register, and then they will also email you a receipt. Well, I've been putting the receipts in that I get there, which shows the full price, and then they email it to our account. I thought my wife would correct them, but she is over a year, and she, we haven't corrected anything. So I've got an inflated uh, cost on fuel, and I don't know what to do about correcting it. Okay. I can help you in this fairly simple. Um, so let's go back to the way it, it, you thought it was happening and which would be the way I like to see it happen. And this is a common thing because many owner operators have some sort of discount fuel program that the discount doesn't show up until later. They don't necessarily know the discount when they put the fuel in. 
So I tell people the, the preferred method, the way I prefer people to do it is put that fuel ticket in when you're getting the fuel. Even though we know the price is incorrect, put it in anyway, because you start to learn. If you wait a week, you're not going to remember which tank was which and what. So when you're standing there putting in fuel, that's when you enter it into your accounting, into fuel gauges. That way you look at it and go, oh, why did my fuel economy drop a half mile per gallon? Well, you know, I was idling a lot. I was in a hurry. I, I knew I was pushing it. So that that's the point of doing it right away. Now, we know the number you put in there is incorrect. Well, that's okay because the price did not affect your fuel economy. It, we saw the real number for fuel economy when we needed to see it. That's why I want you to put it in right away. What it affected is the price, the cost per mile. Well, when you get the settlement or when you get that email, whatever the system is, it only takes a couple seconds to go back in and correct each one. It, it's a couple clicks. You correct the number, you move on. We made it really easy to do for that reason. Now that because it hasn't happened, we're talking about a year, I don't, I'm not looking at your paperwork, so I, I can't explain exactly how to do this. But what I would do is I would find the easiest fastest way to calculate the total difference. I would not try to fix every single receipt. There's no reason to go back and do that. It's too much work. I would come up with the quickest way to figure out the difference. What is the the mistake that we need to correct? And let's say it's, you know, $10,222.38. I'm just going to go into my accounting and make one entry of that number as a fuel expense, and then your reports are now correct. Yeah. Does that that's, make sense? That's what I was wondering what to do. I, yeah, yeah, it does. I just, I was worried I was going to have to go back over a year and start correcting. Nope. Uh, there's got to be an easier way. No, I, don't I, have I, would, I would not do that. The little bit of information we get from going back and doing that is not worth all that work. Um, this is not that big of a deal. You see your numbers, you understand them. I would make one correction in December and that would be the end of it. I appreciate the help. Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks for the call. Two accounting, uh, issues to start with today. I kind of like that. Let's go to Oklahoma. Jerry, welcome to the program. Hi, Kevin. I want to keep on the math theme here if I could. Um, and then I hope the folks take this in the humor that it's intended because I've got a pretty sick sense of humor. But about four months ago, your lovely call screener, Angie, indicated to you that she had some unexpected medical situation with one of her children and she was unable to screen calls. And you even said on the air, and Matt may have been on hold, I don't remember now, but you even said on the air that you'd asked Angie if she, if Matt knew about it. And she said, oh, no, I never tell him anything. So <laughs> my sick mind immediately went to the fact that I wonder if Matt ever tells Angie how much money he's making. <laughs> <laughs> I have a feeling she's on top of that. <laughs> I imagine that's the first thing I thought of when you said that. And that that's not what I told about. I... I called last week and we had some pretty bitter cold weather all over the country and you had made a couple of references in one of the shows about winter preparedness. 
and it just absolutely baffles me how unprepared people are for the winter weather. So I want to tell you exactly what I would do. In the first place, I would never, ever stop on the side of the road because of gel fuel. I'm way too prepared for that. It would never happen. I can promise you it would never happen. Yes. If I ever broke down on the side of the road in bitter cold weather, I want to tell you what the first thing I would do. What do you think the first thing I'd do if I had to pull over on the shoulder of the road in bitter cold weather with a breakdown? What would be the first thing I'd do? And I want you to laugh, but I've got a point. First thing I'd do is climb in the sleeper while I still have a little residual heat, and I'd take all my clothes off. Now, what the hell would I do that for? Well, I'd take all my clothes off, and I'd reach underneath my bunk, and I'd pull a great big red duffel bag I carry in the winter out, and I'd put on my long underwear, I'd put on some insulated socks, I'd put my clothes back on, I'd put a sweatshirt on, I'd put my insulated coveralls on, I'd put a stocking hat, a ski mask on, I'd put another stocking hat over that, I'd put some waterproof gloves on, I'd tuck some heat packs inside those waterproof gloves, I'd pull my rubber boots on, and I'd be prepared. It just baffles me how many people are not prepared for winter. Jerry, I've got a special big red duffel bag that has all my winter gear in it, and that goes in the truck in about November, and it comes out maybe the first of June. Jerry, thank you for bringing this up and talking about that. That and and that method is exactly. I agree with everything you just said. That should be your first step. You have the extreme cold, and they make some awesome cold weather clothes now. You get you know the under layers that they make. You talked about long underwear. You know we grew up with those those cotton thermal underwear. Those are awesome. They keep you warm. But today they make these under, these base layers that are just incredible. They're light, they're thin, they're, they really perform well. Look, I, I did this the other day because we got down into single digits here, which is record-breaking for us. That almost never happens. So a, a very thin base layer, a pair of just plain old sweats on the bottom and a hoodie on top. That's it. Then I have a really nice snowmobile suit, a one piece. I put that on one pair of wool socks and a good pair of winter boots. I could sit outside in the wind and stay warm without even moving in single digit temperatures, not inside of a vehicle with some protection. I could actually sit outside and maintain body heat just sitting there. That's how good these cold weather clothes are that we have nowadays. They're incredible. I can't even wear that stuff to go out and shovel or use my snowblower because I end up sweating like crazy. I'm so hot. So you're right. I, I Let's think about this. What Didn't 50 some people just die in New York over this blizzard? I, I can't even keep up with the number. I want people to stop and think for a second. This is more than a number. I want you to try to imagine how horrendous it is to freeze to death inside of a car. Can you imagine what that must have been like? Horrible. I, 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 it's, it's horrendous to think about that. You're in the United States of America. If this isn't some third world country. It's not like you're out trying to explore the Antarctic. You were trying to get to grandma's house and you died? And First off, that's a shame. without even that, a stocking hat. Yeah, that's the best we can do in this country. 
with as wealthy as we are, we have people dying because it got cold. We had a storm. Lots of them. And to think of what they went through, how horrendous that must have been. And you just solved it. None of those people needed to die. Well, no, and, and half the stuff I carry with me is, may not even be for myself because that's only half. I got that big duffel bag, but I've got a tub full of anti-gel. I've got a Milwaukee uh, cordless heat gun. I've got another tub that I've got diesel 911. I've got air brake antifreeze. I've got a propane torch. I've got ice de-lock. I've got four bags of of uh, uh, ice melt. How it may not even be for me. It might be to help somebody else out, but why wouldn't they be prepared? So, and I do the same thing in the winter, and I very seldom get more than about 20 minutes away from home. We live in a strange place. The gorge has got its own unique weather. We only have two roads. So one, that's it. There's only two roads to get out of where I live. And they close them on a pretty regular basis. The interstate was closed this week uh, for over 10 hours where I live. And I have to get across the river to the other road to get out. And that road was closed because of avalanches and and mudslides. So I I take it very seriously, even though I'm only driving 20 minutes away to the next town. And my vehicle looks a lot like what you just described. I've got auto socks to fit the vehicle I'm driving. I carry spare auto socks with me. I might be able to help, and I've used them before to get somebody else out of a ditch and get them unstuck. So I carry some spares around with me. And they're just, they're stuff I've bought over the years as I've had different vehicles. And then I get rid of the vehicles. Well, I I can't use that auto sock anymore, but I keep them. And I I have a, you know, a big kit that I throw in my vehicle, but I've got multiple toe straps. I've got the auto socks. I've got some chains. I have, you know, usually two five-gallon buckets of ice melt. I've got a shovel with me. I've got extra cold weather clothes. I've got food and water. I've got jumper cables. I've got battery packs. It's not that hard to do. You do it one time. You put all this stuff together. And then, you know, you have your date at the beginning of winter, whatever date you pick. And you throw that in the vehicle and you leave it there. And I am shocked at the people I stopped to help who have dress shoes. It's the only shoe they have with them. They're in their office clothes or their work clothes. They have nothing else with them and they're stuck. They can't even get out of their car to think about getting themselves unstuck because they'll freeze to death. Yep. Well, I just, I'm born raised in the Midwest and been around cold weather all my life. So I just tend to be prepared, but it just baffles me uh, how, how unprepared people are. Uh, I remember years, years, this been probably 30 some years ago. I was in town real early at the restaurant. This boy started driving a truck and somebody had picked up a couple of youngsters on the side of the road, truck drivers, young, young truck drivers. They were broke down on the side of the road. They, they come from Texas and it was like literally like 10 below zero in Illinois. And all they had on was uh, light windbreakers. That's all they had with them, Kevin. Light windbreakers. Isn't that insane? I, I just, just it just nuts. You know, I'm, I'm going to go back. And you know, be- you're going to the Midwest. Good grief, people. 
I exactly. Look, I don't care where you're going. I've seen Texas get hit with some pretty nasty ice storms and and cold temperatures. Exactly. And I don't care where you're going. If you're in a vehicle, be prepared for whatever might happen. And it's it's not that hard to do. You know, I want to go back. We had that. Um, we had that issue a couple months back. I think it was Virginia where the road got shut down overnight. You know, really cold. People were stuck. Um, and I can remember the the mainstream media was talking about it. It was all over social media. People started bringing up, oh, oh, what would you have done if you were an electric vehicle? Well, I don't know. Look at all the people who just died in internal combustion engine vehicles. You have a limited amount of fuel. I don't care what vehicle you're driving. If that fuel runs out, it becomes a whole lot more difficult to stay warm. But you should be prepared to stay warm even if you don't have power. Exactly. Yeah, anyway, I just, after last week, and, you know, how quickly people will forget this warming up in the Midwest here now. It's supposed to be in the 50s, I think, today, and people will forget pretty quick. So I just wanted to bring it up again and just get prepared, folks. Just get prepared. Thank you. I don't care if you're a company driver or a owner-operator. Company drivers are just as bad. I mean, why why does their company let them gel up? I I just don't understand it. You want to get that better cold, that, and just... Pour them all the money they need for anti-gel and put it in for crying out loud, people. I I get it. I I agree. Well, have a happy New Year, Kevin. That's all I had. I appreciate your uh, uh, all all of it that you've done for us all year, and and I really hope you have a good New Year. And I'm looking forward to it. So thank you so much. Thank you. Happy New Year. Thanks for bringing up that topic. And you know. Not just in your truck, your personal vehicles at home. Make sure your spouse is prepared. Teach your children to be prepared. You know, one Christmas, I, I, it, I did this a couple of years ago. I mean, the people important in my life, kids, you know, I, I got them get home bags, you know, emergency backpacks with all the stuff you would need if you got stranded 10 or 15 miles from home and had to walk. I bought everybody a get home bag. You throw it in the trunk, you forget about it. Let's uh, let's go to Utah. Dave, welcome to the program. Hello. Oh, go ahead, Hello. Dave. Hi, Kevin. Hey, Kevin, I have a question. I um, got my own authority started in October. And, you know, I'm, I'm hauling cars and the brokers, I have the app, but the brokers would not give me any, um, freight because they don't know who I am yet. So I, I don't need it, but I I do want to get started. Uh, so brokers know who I am. So I hired a dispatch company, really nice guy. Uh, um, and, so uh, before he, we he's, before we get to the issue, let, let me just go back and kind of question you a little bit here. So I agree when brokers don't know who you are, it can sometimes be more difficult to get freight from them. And, and I understand that. that That's their job. Their job is to make sure that the freight gets delivered on time safely without problems. 
and they have a customer paying them to do that. They take care of that freight. That's a good broker. That's their job. That's what they should be doing, not just giving that freight to anybody who calls. I mean, what's the point of that? How much customer service is that broker providing their customer if all they do is answer a phone and say, here, take the freight? So so what those brokers are doing is correct. That means that, yeah, you're new, you're inexperienced to, you know, maybe this is a new business model for you. You've got to build that relationship. But why call somebody else and pay them to build the relationship? Because then that's their relationship with the brokers, not yours. Right. But, uh, you know, they, uh, I click on the load and I email them and tell them, hey, I've been I've been car hauling for eight years. These are pictures of me doing this, and this is my truck. They said, sorry, you need 25 units on this app before I even look at you. Okay. I've, uh, you know, I, you know, that's the way it's been going for me. So, I, you know, I hired this dispatch company, and... The guy is really good, really nice guy, but he's in Russia. And I have to, he has to get inside my apps, username and everything. And I understand. Oh, hell no. You know, not no, but hell no. Really? If this guy, let's think about something here. If this guy ever rips you off. You have no recourse, zero. I know. There is no way. I don't care if that dispatch company was my next door neighbor. They're not getting my logins. Oh, okay. Then I, I'll probably drop him immediately. I like him a lot, but uh, I got a very uh, scary feeling. Like, uh, you know, hey, hey, hey. Hey, Dave, let's think about something here. What we're talking, and I get some of these limits. You know, you have to have 25 units. That's fine. Then then move on. Go to other freight that doesn't require that. There are, I can promise you, I could go out today and find cars to haul with zero experience. They're out there. And maybe you have to go in at a lower rate in the beginning to build that relationship. That's a strategy. I've talked about in the past when I first started speaking, hell, not only did I speak for free, I paid my way to get there to these events. Now, I'm not telling anybody you should move freight for free. You don't have to, but you might need to move freight at a discounted rate in the beginning to give somebody an incentive. And, And look, you were doing the right thing. I think you were doing it with the wrong person. You said, I have eight years experience. I took pictures. I documented. Take that to the broker not to a dispatch company, go build that relationship with the broker, go to them and say, Hey guys, look, I know I'm new. I I know I'm, you know, just getting started, but take a chance. Look, I'll give you a break on the the revenue to prove that I can do a great job. You got to go out and hustle like that and build those relationships. What we just figured out was some guy over in Russia is building relationships that you should be building. And if he can do it from Russia, you damn well should be able to do it from here. 
Right. I, I'm going to change all that. Now, Kevin, I signed a DocuSign with this guy. <clears throat> Does that matter? I have no idea. What DocuSign doesn't tell me anything. All that is is an electronic way of signing a document. What did you sign? Yeah. I have, I have no idea what the, the uh, contract is. Stating that I have to be with him for three months. Do, do I have to or can I just drop him? Or is there well, here's anything the, to that? Here's know? the thing. Um. The, the fact that he's in Russia makes it really difficult for you to uh, enforce anything. But the opposite is also true. Uh, he's got to take you to court. And he has to take you to court in the, I, I believe, it would have to be in the jurisdiction where you signed the document. Obviously, he can't take you to court in Russia. That's not going to work. So I believe if he wanted to take you to court, he would have to take you to court in whatever jurisdiction you signed that in. And I kind of doubt that he's coming over from Russia. Um, I, I don't like to break contracts. I think that's a really bad thing to do, whether he's in Russia or not. I think you signed the contract. You should probably honor it. Right. I think you could easily break <laughs> okay, this well, contract with, without a lot of negative consequences, but that's not my advice. My advice would be to suck it up, finish the three-month contract, and then move on from there. Thank you, Kevin. It, but um, sharing uh, my routing number and account number with him for payment, well, is there uh, dangers to that? If I have your routing number and your account number, I can probably wire as much money as I want to my own bank account. Okay. I haven't given it to him yet because this is literally Don't. my first load with him. Don't. That would be a reason okay. for me to break that contract. I made a mistake, but I'm not going to make a bigger him. mistake. I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to just, you know, break the contract, which I'd rather not do. I should have read this and thought it through before I signed it. Um, but I, I, I would not move on to a bigger mistake. I would not give him my routing number and account number. Okay, I did tell him this morning that I want to talk to you uh, when I get back to California to talk about payment and how we're going to do it. Cause, yeah, it, it just kind of got to me like this is too much information he's got. It, it, like I said, was, uh, I, 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 I don't want my next door neighbor to have that kind of control. Certainly not somebody in another country that I have absolutely no recourse on whatsoever right well i i was looking up another <clears throat> company them they're a dispatch hey, hey hey dave let me let me give you some advice here yeah these dispatch You're, how long have you been in trucking go ahead kevin now how long have you been in trucking Uh, I've been driving a truck since I was 18, never, uh, never cared about money or nothing, just working for my dad, driving his truck. But I got serious about money when I was 2013, after he so, passed away. 
ionized. So let's yeah. Let's go back. Uh, even 2013, I don't remember hearing about dispatch companies. I don't think they existed. If they did, they were really, really rare. That's less than 10 years ago. I mean, certainly go back to when I started, there was no such thing as a dispatch service. This is a new phenomenon. And you know why they exist? They exist because of this run-up we've had over this last 10 years. Great freight rates, freight all over the place, all kinds of people getting their authority with not really understanding what they're getting into. And then all these people rush in and say, oh, look, I'll start this dispatch service. Hell, this is easy. All I have to do is go find some freight and tell them, look, here's a load. And they get a percentage of this. You know, I, I, I constantly hear owner operators complain about brokers because they take a piece of the pie. Well, they worked for it. The, the dispatch service to me, just there's just not enough value there to pay somebody to do this. But these, these companies now exist only because we had this big run up in rates and we had a bunch of people that didn't know what they were doing. And, and I just, I would not use, we're heading into a, a rough time where every penny is going to count. And there's no way I'm giving up that extra revenue to a dispatch service. It's too easy to find my own freight. Yeah. Well, yeah, then that's a bad deal. I better... Uh, <clears throat> look it over and probably cancel him. Yeah, here's the offer I would make him. And I don't even know if this is possible. I'll honor the contract I signed, but you're not getting my bank information. And if that's a deal breaker, then I'm breaking the deal. Okay. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that sounds, that sounds uh, about right. That, that's, that's the offer I would make him. I signed the contract. I, I, I want to uphold the contract I signed, um, but I'm not giving you my bank information. There's just no way. Okay. All, All right. right, Kevin. Uh, thank you very much for your advice. Bye. You're welcome. I, I'm glad you called. I think we caught this in time. Could have been worse. Call me and, and let me know the outcome. Let's go to South Carolina. Paul, welcome to the program. Uh, with regards to that last caller, I think he should, it sounds like he only just got on with that guy. I think he should send him a Happy New Year card with a $500 gift card in it and run. There you go. That's not a bad not idea either. I'm, I, not I, I, yeah, I, I'm not honoring it. I'm not honoring that contract. Hell no. Yeah. And I... They, Thanks for your service, but it's not required. Hey, hey Paul, yep. and I, I want to make sure that I'm pretty sure Dave knows, but you're in that business. You get that part of the business. Yep. That advice is coming from somebody who does it every day. Yeah. If, if he's got enough insurance, United Road, who is a big company, and I'm sure if he's been hauling cars for eight years, he knows who they are. If you've got enough insurance, they'll pretty much load you anywhere. So and, and, you know, United here's Road. something else that I've found. 
You know, lots of companies have rules and procedures. No, we won't load you till you've done this or have that. A a lot of times those are not set in stone. They have those policies because they deal with people they've never met. They, and I'll go back to my earlier (coughs) call, go meet these people in person. A lot of times those rules disappear. Oh, look, we like this guy. Oh, look, he's, you know, he's, Truck looks nice. He stopped in. We had coffee. He told us about his business. Yeah, we'll make an exception. Yeah. So, right. I got. I got a few other things. So, congratulations to Matt and Angie because I'm sure she holds down the fort while he's gone for six days a week. Well, to, to run a hundred and a to run a hundred and fifty some thousand miles, somebody's got to hold down the fort. Yeah, so congratulations to both of them. So, and then, if I'm only paying three hundred and fifty for a new car hauler, hell, I'm getting a real cheap one. <laughs> you know, as soon as I said that number, with, even with though it no, sounded with no extras, I I know, even though it sounded like a really big number, as soon as I said it, I thought, boy, I bet I'm way off on that one. Yeah, well, I heard. I don't know what kind of truck this guy got, but I heard the other day a guy, he just got a new one, and he's obviously got a lot of extras, and it was just under $550,000. <laughs> but I know, I, know, I know nothing about it, so apart from I heard that he got a new one. So, yeah. Oh, but, man. Um, yeah, crazy money. Hey, just so, just so you know. Um, Angie just texted me. We were talking about her holding down the fort. She just texted me that she has a pillow fort. Oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Laying in, laying in comfort. Yeah. And she protects it with a Nerf yep. gun. There you go. Yeah, those rubber bullets can hurt you, though. Yeah. Or <laughs> yeah, the foam one. So, um, one of the Facebook groups that I don't really follow them, but they keep popping up on my page all the time, so I have a look. And they have Hurricane in the name. So they posted the other day, and I thought it was really pathetic, and I even made that comment. One of their drivers in a 389 Pete pulling a refrigerated trailer said they were loaded to the maximum on a coast-to-coast return run, round trip. So I guess he went from east to west to east or west to east to west, whatever. Okay. But they were bragging that his they were bragging that his fuel mileage was six point five four miles to the gallon <laughs> for a coast to coast round trip. Oh. Yeah. Hey what so, is there to brag about? That better. that's that's just below the national average. Nobody brags about being average, do they? Well, they they do apparently. So, but then a couple of comments someone put on their Volvo. They go coast to coast, and then they get eight point two, and that got plenty of people laughing. And then I put the comment on there that I'd be highly disappointed. And there's people doing eight, nine, and ten every day of the week. And I waited for the hate mail, and I got a few, but I'm not offended. I don't care. So, <laughs> each to their own. Yeah. So, yeah, so I was talking with a friend of mine that lives in Aussie. He's been there for 13 years now. And 
He drives a truck. Um, company driver pulls a pocket road train, end up, so two trailers, hauls 150,000 pounds payload at a time, goes home every night, works five or five and a half days a week. The financial year in Australia goes from the start of July to the end of June. So for last financial year, a company driver, he grossed $130,000. And he's on his two weeks Christmas vacation right now. And he said from July up until Christmas this year, his gross pay has been just under $80,000. He's on target to earn 150000 as a company driver and home every night of the week. Wow. Hauling gravel and, and rock. You know, the, yeah. the other thing we re- have to remember, this job doesn't even require a high school education. No, he, he left school with about 16 years old, I think. But, yeah. yeah. Actually, he did. He is, he is actually, it's kind of funny, because he is actually a qualified chef. <laughs> is he so, really? But after about yeah, about six or eight years of that, and um, he got the trucking bug. Oh, him and his two brothers—they're they're all truck drivers. So, um, but he, he he went trucking and trucked in New Zealand for quite a few years, and then thirteen years ago he packed up and went to Aussie, and he said he's living the dream. So got it made. You know, I, I, you know, we like to complain in this industry that we were never paid enough. And it, it's hard to make those complaints now after the last couple of years. The numbers have really changed a lot, but I, I still hear people making it. One of the comparisons that comes to mind for me, you just talked about, you know, a, a, a car hauler. Let, let's stick with those because the numbers kind of match almost. Somewhere between three hundred and fifty and five hundred and fifty thousand, if you wanted to go out and buy a new piece of equipment, but you would yep. give me an an average in your mind. What would be the average gross revenue I could generate with that? Not not doing anything spectacular, not having all kinds of great relationships. Just the average guy who would go out and buy a a car hauler. What would they gross uh, in the last year or two? Well, last year was terrible for me. Like I only grossed two hundred and forty-one thousand because the loads were that I was getting they were ugly. It's like, oh, here's a ten vehicle load going to nine stops over three different states. And it's like, oh, <laughs> yeah. So last yeah. year was terrible for me. But this year, and only mostly this year, I work five days a week. I leave on a Tuesday and I get back home on a Saturday. Occasionally, it changes. But a lot of the time, I'm only gone for five, five and a half days at a time now. And I grossed 351000 this year. So here's the comparison that comes only worked, to... Only worked, 20, only worked 20 days a month. Yeah, yeah. Really, here's, 22, maybe. Here's the yeah. comparison that comes to mind for me. Um, I can remember kind of studying the poultry business and just being shocked yeah. at... You know, if I rem- I'm trying to remember the numbers right, and I think they were really similar. I think to put up a poultry barn, 
you know, and I forget they put hundreds of thousands of chickens in, in each barn and, you know, you run them through in cycles. But if I remember right, that the number was north of 300,000 to put up one barn and they could expect to make, now I'm talking profit here, not gross. They could expect to make $30,000 profit. That is horrendous. I looked at those numbers and I thought, that's insane. Who would do that? But that that's the kind of numbers that are in that business. And I, I just thought about that because it, it's kind of comparable. You look at Matt, who just generated almost yep. a half a million dollars in gross revenue, is, is already yeah, north of 300000 in net revenue. And he's doing it with equipment that's completely paid for. Yeah, he's on the top of the pyramid, I think. He's absolutely yeah. at the top. So. I, I, it, yeah, it's. I, I know, I know, I know plenty of people that are well over four hundred thousand, and probably close to five hundred for the for this previous year. But plenty of them do way more miles than I do too. So well, uh, they'll, well, they'll go home for their thirty-four hour break, and then they're gone again. Well, that's so, why I made it a point yeah. to. to I, the first number I talked about with Matt was his miles. I wanted people to know this this isn't somebody who's working every other week or, you know, just kind of, he ran hard. There's no doubt. That's a lot of miles. But it made sense to work that hard too. We, we've been saying for the last yep. couple of years, you make hay when the sun shines. You get out there and you run hard when the rates are that good. And that's what Matt's been doing. And, you know, this is the difference. Over the years, I hear from these guys all the time. Oh, you say not to use a dispatch service. Well, I use it because it's so much easier. Okay, I'm sure it is easy, but you just gave up a chunk of profit. Well, I use 30 different brokers because it's easy. I don't need to build relationships. You're right. You don't need to. But look at the difference when you do all of these things right. And the last several years, you could do everything wrong and stay in business. And people thought, well, you're just wrong yeah. because I'm doing the opposite of everything you say and I'm still in business. Yeah, not for long. Now we're going to find out. And yeah. and maybe you were in business. You weren't coming anywhere near the kind of profit <clears throat> potential that's out there. Yeah. Yeah, well... Last year, my miles were way down last year. Um, the days away from home was a little bit down, but not a whole lot. But just our freight diet, the freight that we had, it, it you know, they had freight, but it's like, yeah, I had it, plenty of loads that were it, right. all, all single vehicles. You felt like the FedEx guy <laughs> delivering every can along the way. Yeah, exactly. And you get yeah. to the dealer, how many am I getting? One. One. Yeah. Where's yeah. the airs going? Oh, and you'd rattle it off the whole the whole shebang. But yeah, yeah, so crazy. This, yeah, but so this this year was a lot better than last year. Well, good. And like I say, I only uh, mostly I work about five days a week. There you go. All right, Paul, so, I'm gonna cut you loose. Gonna move on with the final show of the year here. We're gonna go to yes, Florida. Sir. Sarah, welcome to the program. Hello. I just had to call in with a tip for the guy with the um, having to catch up on a fuel discount. Okay. We, if you put in your fuel ticket every other, um, every time you fuel up, 
And then like our discount shows up on our settlement every week. So what we do is just add up the discounts for every fuel up at the end of the month and put it into fuel gauges as a negative number once a month. Excellent. And then that evens it out. Great idea. Yep. And then then every month's um, reports will be correct then. Yes. And then Matt beat us this year. He said he did 157,000 miles this year. Um, I guess we were slacking a little bit. We did 137.5 thousand miles this year. <laughs> Part of our, our 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 goal to do less work every year. <laughs> there you go. That's a pretty interesting comparison. So we th- this year we happened to. Um, have our growth be about just a smidge over a half million. Nice. Nice. Good stuff. Oh, that's all I got. Just wanted to tell them about that um, fuel discount trick. Like you said, find it, find the easiest way to do it for us. That's just, just add up the discounts and put it in as a negative number. Perfect. Love that. Great advice. All right, let's head uh, North. We're going to go to BC. Brad, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin, how are you today? Good. What's on your mind? Hi, Kevin. How are you today? Good. Uh, I was going to go over my numbers like Matt said, but I'm just getting fueled. You want to turn me back on hold and take me um, out for the next call? Just in case it gets too noisy. Uh, well, the problem is or if I throw you back call? on hold, I might end the show. You're my last caller. Okay. Well, we can just go through here. It might be a little bit of noise. That's all right. Get Let, off the pump, but, yeah, let's um, do it. I was just looking, as you should have sent you, my last year's numbers were, I'm, Canadian, so we do things like Paul was saying in in uh, uh, New Zealand there. So my year end is November first to October thirty first. Got so it. She gave okay. me my twenty twenty two numbers. That's my that is my fiscal year end for this year. Got it. Okay, so that's good to know. And also, uh, you're you know, I love that our software does this, but it requires me to do a little calculating here yours is all showing it's in, us, uh, it is in kilometers right right it, which is yeah but it's a 179,000 kilometers is 111,000 miles yeah got it. I did last okay year. okay so so instead of 98 98 cents a kilometer it's a dollar 58 a mile net profit there you go perfect all right which is just outstanding numbers um you know, you're at 175,000 in profit. I mean, again, that, that puts you well up into the top percentage of the industry. Uh, I'm just looking at some of your costs here. Uh, where are you on fuel cost? They're high because I'm all, I'm seven and eight axle. So I'm, I'm either empty or I'm 105,000 pounds. Yeah, here's an and interesting and if thing, I do though. Canadian work, I'm 130. Yeah, you know, we, we've been talking about calls recently. Just some guy was up at 80-some cents a mile for fuel. Um, you got several things going on. Seven, seven axles, really ugly stuff, Canadian fuel prices to deal with, and you're still at 75 cents a mile for fuel. That, that's in your operation. That's a good number. Yeah, I was, I was seven... Uh, I'm seven and eight axle. Oh, I do yeah. one trip a week with seven axle on and cause I, my insurance costs are slightly high as well because I actually have 
one set of super V's and then one fifty three foot. So I have three trailers insurance Got repairs it. and maintenance on three trailers and a truck. Um, like all that is included in, in that, but I do similar to Matt. I'm customer direct. I don't do any load. Board. I've only ever done one, uh, load board freight and I still haven't been paid. It's been a year. Got it. Got it. So I it, tend to stay away from the load boards. Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, you know, again, you are another great example. You have really detailed, uh, accounting. You break things down into you know, subcategories, you can really see exactly where your money's going. But this is just another great example of what's possible in this business. When you focus on all the things that, you know, we talk about, the relationships, the cost, the, you know, understanding rates, all those things, this is what's possible. And, and you know, I, I've got to say, we, we there's a lot of things we could complain about in this industry, but there's an awful lot of opportunity to, you know, make a lot of money when, once you know what you're doing and you get there. But you know what? I, I, I love the, the business model. You know, it's your own business. You do your own thing. I, it, it, when you do this right, um, I, I'm pretty optimistic. These are great numbers. Yeah, I mean, it took 17 years to get here. And two years yeah. ago, I did buy out my carrier. So I do have my own authority now. Well, I'll be two years in March, but then some of the costs that you look at on my maintenance, which is obviously very high this year, it was the cost of getting things mostly, or namely tires. Tires were brutal to get your hands on up here. So I'm actually sitting on probably two axles worth of 11 or 22.5 trailer tires and two axles of low pro tires for my other trailer that I actually have sitting in inventory that are paid for already for next year because... We just couldn't get them. I waited a year to get a set of drive tires to get the Michelin and X-Line Energy Ds in 11 or 22.5. So again, here's another great lesson. You adjust, you adapt, you you saw a problem, you you headed off the problem by being proactive. That That's really the lesson in all of this. You know, all the things we talk about. I'll go back to my, my most recommended book in business, The Seven Habits. First habit is be proactive. That's what you did. You saw a problem coming. You know, tires are hard to get. I need a lot of tires. I'm going to make sure I don't get hung up with this problem. And you were proactive and you went out and solved the problem. And, and that's really, you know, the, the lesson here is that run it like a business and it really works. There's a lot of opportunity out there. And, you know, Matt said it. I'll say it again. No matter how good your numbers get, you're never home free. This is always work. You always have to be adapting. The next five years are going to be very different than the last five years. But there's still going to be an awful lot of opportunity. And, you know, I I, I just look at, you know, the kind of the tribe. And I, I lately I've had a lot of uh, feedback from people who have been around for years. They've been to multiple CMCs. Um, you know, when I did that speaking event um, a couple of months ago, I was in Tennessee. Right before the event, we brought on some of the other speakers. One of the uh, speakers we brought on was an attorney. And she works with mm-hmm. pretty good-sized fleets. She works with some really big fleets. She, she is an attorney. She only works in trucking. Um, I, I got a, a text from her, and she said, hey, I just wanted to thank you for some of the business I got. Um, and I thought... 
how did she get business from us? I mean, the kind of people I typically deal with really don't need an attorney, um, certainly not on on retainer or working, you know, actively. But it turns out um, somebody who had been to a CMC years ago now runs a pretty decent sized fleet and needed an attorney and contacted her and, and you know, everybody's happy. But it, it, it just, you know, so many times I, I get these, you know, correspondence from people who have been doing this for years. They've been to the CMC and I'm just blown away by the success they've created. Whether it's, it's you know, like you and Matt today, one truck, but just awesome numbers or people who have, you know, built, substantial businesses out of this. Yeah. And I was at your last CMC in 2018. Yeah. I it, mean, it's, it's that one. It was you know, like the a, one in 27 or was it 16 or 17 that it got canceled. I can't remember which one year you guys canceled it I, and pushed it into the following year. I think we so canceled think 17 and I was there. That was the last one. Did it in 18. That sounds yeah. right. Um, and, and you know, I've said yeah. we did it so over the it. years. People would come back year after year and I was always shocked because the material doesn't change that much and it probably never will. I mean, we, we change tactics here and there as technology changes. We don't really change strategies much. Um, but I, I look at that and I go, God, I'd come back again. Yeah, yeah I, I, I guess, you know, a lot of people would. And it, it, it was, I, I think a lot of it is being around people who think like that, the, you know, the optimism, the sharing of information. But I, I've just noticed that a, an awful lot of people have created a lot of success. And one of the common denominators is they've been to the CMC. You know, I, 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 I talk about Anthony Robbins a lot. He's kind of a controversial guy. You know, he was late night, you know, selling CD programs is how he got started. And he has taken a lot of criticism over the years. And he still does. Somebody posted the other day about Anthony Robbins. Is this guy still around? People still get scammed by this guy. That, that was kind of the message. But I can tell you this. I, I deal with a lot of business owners um, our partner companies. I have over the years, because uh, you know, I've been reading Anthony Robbins stuff. I've been to many of his seminars since I was in my twenties, so forty years. Um, I am blown away by the people that I have met over the years, really successful in business, and then at some point, I find out that they kind of credit Anthony Robbins for getting them started. It's, you know, it it just, you see a lot of that. People who go out and seek out information um, just tend to be more successful. Yeah, and I listened to that book. He recommended his money to master the game. That helped quite a bit too, even though a lot of it is U.S.-based, but we have most of everything you guys have down there up here. Yeah, you just have to figure out. We have the equivalent to that. We have the equivalent. Right. Yep. Right. But it's the same tax principle, roughly. I mean, exactly. Same, say money is money, whether we're in, you know, Yugoslavia, which is, doesn't even exist yeah. anymore, or Canada or the U.S. or South Africa or wherever. Money's money. The, we might use different instruments or different types of accounts. And like I said, you had to take, you know, when he was talking about a 401k, you just had to convert that to what you use in Canada. But all the strategies are the same. Yep. But I do that almost weekly with... 90% of my freight is out of the U.S. 
So I run Canada to Idaho, Washington, Oregon, Idaho. And yeah. I'm home every weekend. So I spend, I spend most of my time converting it back yep. and forth between miles and gallons and, and figuring out which way I'm going to, where I'm going to buy fuel and how I do it. Excellent. But with our IFTA tax in, in British Columbia, it's 90% of the time it's cheaper for me to buy fuel in Canada for the IFTA refund. There you go. 28 cents, I, I think, a Twenty-eight cents a liter in British Columbia, which is holy cow! Like, what is that per gallon? That's a dollar, a dollar six. Yikes! Yeah, yeah. We'll What's see. The but there's again one more the part of the business <laughs> that, because you understand it, you're able to create even more profit. And that again, it's kind of the point. Brad, great talking to you. Love it when we share these uh, kind of numbers. I hope we do more of it in 2023. Let's uh, let's go to South Carolina. Terrence, welcome to the program. How's it going, Kev? I just got a comment for that dude with the car carrier. I did it for 13 years. I, I wasn't a owner operator, but I was a company driver. He can go to, like Paul said. I worked for United Road. Originally, it was MPG. Then I went to United Road. Uh, he could go to any terminal like they have. He sees cars and trucks pulling out of there, and go and sit down with one of them terminal managers, and he can set him up with something. It's it, Kevin. I I hope to God he didn't give this guy his bank account information. Well, he I, hasn't so far. I, I, I'm glad I, I he hope called that me. guy. Yeah. I'm. Yeah, me too. Because when he said that, and it's just, uh, I did it for 13 years, and when I was doing it, they had all different other companies out there, and they were all people. Would, anybody could get a truck and go and haul cars. As long as you, I mean, and it was a shame to say because it's a tough business. It's not easy to do. Paul tell you. That was one of the hardest things I ever did was to learn how to do it. Oh yeah, and then to maintain a business with it is a totally different thing. But I just hope this I just hope this guy gets a hold of somebody. You know, he can go like I said, if he gets a hold of the United Road, makes some phone calls. They'll be able to set him up better than anybody else. He won't need. He, he'll be an owner operator. They'll they have terminals all over the place. California. I mean, I can't I can't even tell you how big they are. They got places all up and down the eastern seaboard, mid Midwest. I mean, out in, out down in Texas, they're all over. So he can get you know, loaded anywhere and find what works for him best. You know, I, I, I'll, I'll go back to the whole dispatch service thing. It, it, when freight was just through the roof, rates were high, freight was everywhere. I, I could even make an argument that to say, look, when, when it's like this, go ahead and pay a, a dispatch service. You, you just stay out there and run. Get all the miles you can. That wouldn't be a bad business model, you know, it, it, but you, you also have to realize that at some point it, that doesn't make sense anymore. That's the other thing, you know, Matt said, you, you never get to rest, no matter how good you get at this, because you've constantly, you need to understand numbers and when you adjust. Remember when things were booming and I was saying, look, if you want to run 70, 75, go ahead. Rates are high, fuel is cheap. It's it's not that big of a deal, but then you need to know that there's going to come a time where you should adjust and you should think about running 60 miles an hour or less. And be ready for it. <laughs> and give up that dispatch It'll be ready service. To make that because, change. <laughs> yeah, give up the dispatch service. Yep. There's not enough profit in the rate anymore and you should have time to go find your own freight now. Yeah, I just, I just like I said, I hope that guy's still listening just go to a United Road. You know, there's plenty of other places out there. 
don't go to someone out of country for this. There's so many places in the United States. You could go to any Mannheim auction and, 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 and talk to them. I mean, I can name half a dozen places, you know, and they're all big. United wrote it themselves, one of the biggest car brokers in, 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 in the United States. And like I said, hence they have all the terminals all over the place and they have a lot of trucks. But I just hope yeah. that this, whatever you do, find someone else, man. Don't sign with that guy. Excellent. All right, Kevin, let someone else get there. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, everyone out there, man. All right. Happy yep. New Year. Thanks for the uh, thanks for the tip. Great stuff. You know, it, I, one of the things I want to do in the coming year, and I, I'm going to wrap this up right now. We're done. Um, I suspended the calls because rolling toe is coming up in just a couple minutes. So one final thought, then I'm going to, we'll take a break for about five minutes and rolling toe will come back live. So uh, go ahead and line up calls for those guys. I know calls are a little slow this week, although mine weren't. I've been pretty busy this week. They were slow to get started this week. But then once the calls started coming in, they they stayed pretty busy. But line up some calls for those guys. Give them a, give them a good final show for the year here. I am going to just wrap this up um, and get ready for them. So it's been, a, it's been an interesting year for us. Um, certainly not a record-breaking year. Um, we were actually down on revenue this year, uh, even a little more than I had anticipated. Um losing Sirius was kind of a big blow financially on the the top. We constantly had new people coming in. Um, We haven't marketed the show yet this year because we're not ready to. So we expected to have a down year. Um, I don't like having down years. I'm not happy about it, but it, it's uh, it wasn't bad. It, it, we, we were prepared, which was a good thing. I'm glad we took our own advice and, you know, paid down debt and saved cash. So this wasn't any big deal. Not happy about it. But now I'm ready to uh, to really jump back into this and get the numbers back up where they belong. So I think 2023 is going to be an interesting year. Um, thank you all for your support this year. Uh, it's been awesome. I know it's kind of a tough year. Um, big changes for us, but uh, the tribe came through and you supported us and uh, you stood with us, and I really appreciate it. So from all of us here at Let's Truck, the entire team, to the tribe, thank you. We appreciate it. We're looking forward to uh, a great year in 2023. So with that, I'll wrap this up, and uh, you'll hear from me again next year. Be safe, be profitable, be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey. <laughs>